You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons. Visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Hey friends, if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Brenna Rubio and I'm one of the pastors here at City Church alongside Bill. And it is just fun to be together. I am, some people have already noticed, yes, I'm in a different location than usual. I too lost an hour of sleep. And so I just need to be standing this morning to channel the energy and keep it coming. Uh, So I am in a slightly different position if it's throwing some of you off. Um, I'm so excited. I get to preach with an incredible person this morning named Laura Lacombe. So as some of you know, we started last week uh, a new series called The Sermon I Always Wanted the Church to Hear. And the idea behind this this month-long series is pretty simple. We kind of said, hey, you know what? Though we try really hard to hear from a lot of different kinds of voices, to have a multiplicity of voices in our preaching and our storytelling, uh, even our scripture reading, our praying, there's just a reality that in the life of the church in America, so often there are voices that we have just missed. Uh, And we've missed it in a a variety of ways. But this month, we're saying, let's especially focus on hearing from the voices of women. And let's just invite some incredible women in our midst to come and tell us the sermon that they never got to hear because they were not being taught by people who had an embodied experience like their own. And then we get to, we just get to enjoy hearing from these, these experiences. For some of us, it may feel very validating because we too have had similar embodied experiences and we have not heard from voices like our own. And for others of us, it may feel kind of new. It may feel kind of challenging, kind of stretching because it's so different from our own lived experience. Whichever place you are in today, you are so welcome. I just want to tell you a little bit about Laura before I pass uh, the microphone over to her metaphorically. Uh, Laura is amazing. She has come to join us sort of roughly in this quarantine season, and she has just been a delight. I've just so enjoyed getting to know her, her heart for the church, her deep. She's just a very super thoughtful person. For those of you who know Laura, you're here today, you know that. She's a deep thinker and just an incredibly caring person. We're so excited because Laura is going to be heading off to seminary in the fall, even though it means that we'll be losing her uh, in this community. We're just so excited that she is following the sense of God's call on her life to see what's next as she heads off to seminary. So this is going to be her very first sermon, and it is a privilege that we get to hear from and learn from her today. So Laura, go ahead and take it away. Ugh, that made me a little emotional. It's a little too soon for that. <laughs> oh, we're here for it, Laura. We're so oh excited. Gosh, I am nervous. Okay. <laughs> um, I before I really start, I did want to kind of acknowledge just where we're at in the calendar. Um, you know, been a year since our shutdowns. It's um, been a year since Breonna Taylor was killed. It's I think there's been a lot of emotions um, this week. And so I just didn't feel right to start without acknowledging that and holding space for whatever we're bringing today. I think there's just a lot of heaviness um, and grief in what's happened this past year. Um, And for me, as I kind of try to reflect on this past year, which is pretty challenging, um, one thing I, could not imagine. I couldn't 
have pictured that I'd be here um, preaching today with Brenna um, at City Church, but I am very, very honored to be speaking to y'all today um, and that I get to share some things with you. And I want us to start out by imagining a time when we had an experience that pushed against what we believe to be true about God. And this might have been something you were told by others about God or something that you found to be true from your own experience with God or scripture. And something for me, it was a really significant moment. I was my freshman year of college. I was in an anthropology course and I was meeting with a Hindu woman just to learn more about her faith and her background. And this is at a Christian school. I went to APU. Um, and there was one night where she told me that she believed that Jesus was the son of God. And there was absolutely no room for that in my good evangelical faith that told me only people who called themselves Christians could access God and believe in Jesus as God. But because of my relationship with this woman and with another Hindu woman that I lived with and other interfaith interactions that I've had, um, my belief that there was one way to find and experience God pushed up against my new experiences, which were showing me that God was also clearly speaking through people of other faiths. You know, they're sitting in front of me telling me about God. So I really couldn't deny that they were experiencing God. So my belief about God had to become more inclusive. And today we're looking at a passage in Acts where Peter is faced with an experience with God and with Gentiles that forces him to reconsider his beliefs. And God invites Peter to see God's vision for humanity. And this is one that's inclusive of Gentiles. And God does this through the imagery of clean and unclean foods. And Peter's beliefs ultimately change because he sees the Gentiles receiving the Holy Spirit. And a natural reaction that we have is to resist these new experiences that challenge our beliefs, especially when these beliefs center around what we believe to be true about God. I think a lot of us have gripped beliefs really, really tightly, and we're afraid to have them change. And then we have an experience that comes and we just have to loosen our grip. And so over the years, I have found God to be more inclusive than I previously believed in a lot of different ways. And this definitely can make people upset, um, <laughs> especially surrounding the inclusion and affirmation of LGBTQ plus people and of women in church leadership. And so for our scripture reading, we're going to start reading at the point after Peter has already had this transformative experience with the Gentiles and the Holy Spirit, and we're picking up when he returns to his community, who they've heard that the Gentiles now have received the word of God, and they're criticizing Peter because he had an interaction with the uncircumcised. So that's where we're picking up, and for our scripture reading, we have our friend Paula Patino. Good morning, everyone. So we'll be reading Acts 11, 1 through 18. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, you went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. 
I was in the city of Joppa praying and in the trance I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by the four corners and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard, and I heard a voice saying to me, rise Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means Lord, for nothing common or unclean has ever entered have ever entered my mouth. But the voice answered a second time from heaven. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and all was drawn up again into heaven. And behold, at that moment, three men arrived at the house in which we were sent to me from Caesarea. And the spirit told me to go with them, making no distinction. These six brothers also accompanied me and we went and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen the angel stand in his house and say, send to Joppa and bring Simon, who is called Peter. He will declare to you a message from, by which you will be saved, you and all your household. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as on us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If then God gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I can stand in God's way? When they heard these things, they fell silent and they glorified God saying, then to the Gentiles also God has granted repentance that leads to life. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much for reading Paula and Laura for, for kicking us off. Uh, you know, it's, I think one of the things I love most about this story is just the attitude that I pick up from Peter uh, as he's basically being kind of called on the carpet and challenged, right, by the circumcision party. So you have this sense of like, there's this whole group of people who are criticizing him and going, what are you doing? This is not what we do. And I just get this sense of real non-defensiveness in him. Just like, guys, I get it. I was right there with you. I reacted the same way. But let me tell you a story. Guys, I had this vision. And so we pick up in verse seven. I heard a voice say, rise, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, by no means, Lord. He said no to God. That's how he starts his story. He says, yeah, I knew this was wrong. JC talked to us last week uh, about the idea of talking back to scripture. Peter kicks it off by talking back to God, just saying, no, no, God. This does not fit who I've always known you to be. This does not fit my previous interpretation of the scriptures. It doesn't fit what I've been taught by my religious community over the years. And so, God, I don't think so. No, I'm not going to do it. And I just love it. Because isn't that how we react so much of the time? Right? Like, I, I feel that it's normal. It's a normal psychological kind of reaction to say, like, no, I've got a belief system, and thank you, it's good. It's strong, it's deep, 
And I don't have the time and the energy to go messing with things. Sometimes it helps us, right? It, it helps us just kind of filter things out. I mean, we, we actually need these sort of structures mentally to help us just navigate the world and figure out what's going on and, and just keep things simple. But it hurts us sometimes too. We talk about confirmation bias, right? That there is this sense that we're just constantly looking for the information that will support what we already kind of think. And so information that may actually be helpful, may actually correct us and help us move in a better direction, we may have a tendency to miss it and to filter it out, to even miss what God is saying to us. And it's not just about the impact on us either, right? It's about the impact on other people. What if Peter kept saying no? You know, Cornelius sends his people and Peter says, I'm not going. I mean, do I believe God would have found a way with Cornelius? Absolutely. I don't think God's going to be frustrated, but, but Peter would miss an opportunity to love better, right? To grow in his ability and, and even just his ability to see what God is doing all around him. When we, when we don't change, when we're not willing to have our ideas challenged, so often what happens is it results in us pushing others away. So often our, our firm and settled ideas are ones that exclude others. We see it all over the history of the church. This was not gonna be the last time that there was gonna be a challenge. I mean, we look at the history of the church and a couple centuries ago when we were burning people at the stake and having all sorts of wars over, do we baptize infants or do we baptize adults? And it's so easy for us now, right? Oh, I can't believe they were so silly, right? They missed it. How could they have missed it? Oh, Peter, how, how could he not see that God's plan had always been for the Gentiles to be included? But it actually is that hard. If you here today can name experiences where you felt God nudging you, you felt uncomfortable questions rising up in you that were challenging your belief system, you're in good company. <laughs> and it's actually a normal step in the process of change to say, no, God, I won't. That's where Peter started too. But it's not where the story ended. Because from that point, he went on a journey. And it was a journey just to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave my house. I still don't get it. I don't understand, but I'm gonna, I'm actually gonna travel. I'm gonna experience, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna connect with some people I don't usually connect with. I'm gonna hear their story. And maybe, maybe God's gonna have something new to show me on the other side. And so if you are here this morning and you're holding sort of a holy maybe, I just want you to know you're welcome. And for all of us this morning, there is a reality that we have been in these places and we will be in these places where God begins to stretch our boundaries. And then we need to ask, how are we going to respond? What stories are we willing to listen to? Laura, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Thank you, Brenna, for pointing out that 
tension. Um, and what I love about this is that what you mentioned is that Peter did this before he fully understood what was going on. He got this vision and then they showed up at his door. And so he broke cultural and theological rules before he had all of his theology sorted out and before he crossed the boundaries that the spirit called him to cross. And so even though it was considered unlawful for him to enter the home of Gentiles, he did it because God told him to not call anyone impure or unclean. And when I read that, I wanna ask, um, what if we take seriously God's direction to not call anyone impure who God has called clean, even if our theology has taught us to say and do otherwise. And I wanna take a moment here for all of you to maybe imagine words that you might have been called or maybe it's things you've called others, but and maybe it wasn't said to you, but it was implied. Things like you know, you're dirty, unworthy, unholy, whatever it is for you. And then I want you to imagine God speaking a word of protection over you, and then a word of affirmation to you. Who God has made beloved, do not call unworthy. My child, you are beloved. Who God has made redeemed, do not call shameful. My child, you are redeemed. Who God has made whole, do not call broken. My child, you are whole. And when people are invited into this truth that no person is unclean, the Holy Spirit moves and transforms. And in the chat, we can see, we're gonna put verses 15 to 17. And we see there in our story that the Holy Spirit fell upon the Gentiles, a group that Peter believed was excluded from this gift. He saw the spirit move beyond boundaries to invite her children towards life. And this blew apart Peter's perception of Gentiles and of God's family. This moment in a Roman soldier's home where the Holy Spirit broke through and claimed her children and called them redeemed. And now Peter understands Jesus's words about the Holy Spirit through this lens of his encounter with these Gentiles. His belief about Jesus's words and good news have undergone a huge transformation and what he credits it all to is the Spirit's movement. He says, since God gave these Gentiles the same gifts he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to stand in God's way? And I want to ask another question, and that's, are we standing in God's way? Are we limiting the Spirit's work, or are we moving with the Spirit and being guided towards life? And that's hard to ask, right? I don't want to think about the ways that I'm fighting against God's vision rather than aligning with it. But the truth is that there's times when I am. And it's Peter's honesty in recognizing that he was standing in God's way, coupled with the power of story that leads his community to also follow the spirit and to change. And when he shares this holy story with them, people who at first condemned his actions, they fall silent and then they begin praising God. 
they process this unexpected miracle and then they praise God that they were wrong. They say, then God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. I used to believe they couldn't. And now, through this experience with the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Spirit, I see that they can. How amazing that God is more inclusive than we thought God was. And I wonder, friends, what would be different if our churches today in our churches today, if we spent more time in amazement of the Holy Spirit's reach across boundaries than time spent drawing lines and making rules around what kind of work the Holy Spirit can do in people. And what if we praised God when we were wrong? We have permission to let our experiences shape the way we interpret Jesus's words, just as Peter and his community did. They didn't change God's words, but followed the lead of the spirit to view the words and life of Jesus in a new way. And we also have permission to let experiences change us. If we see the Holy Spirit, maybe we should be paying attention. If the Holy Spirit is moving in groups of people that we did not expect, then maybe it's time to rejoice. Oh. It's so good, the idea of praising God when we're wrong. Because, okay, who cares that we're wrong? We get to open the doors wider. Oh, that's so good. Now, I have to admit, when Laura and I met for the first time to talk about this passage, and this is very much Laura's baby, you know, I said, hey, Laura, you lead us. You tell me, what is the answer to this question? What passage do you want to focus on? What do you want to, what do you want to do? And so we're reading this passage together and I just had to tell her, I was like, doesn't this kind of seem a little bit like a fairy tale ending, right? Like almost like a little bit too good to be true. Like first off, they're just like, they're ready to attack, right? This group, the circumcision party. And then he shares a story and all of a sudden they're like, woo, um, and rejoicing, like it, it almost feels too good to be true. And then I remembered, oh wait, I've actually been part of a group and a process sort of like this. It just so happens that we at City Church have kind of been through this sort of experience together. Because here at City Church, every Sunday, we will tell you that we are a radically welcoming community. And what we mean by that, among other things, but it certainly means this, is that we actually actively welcome absolutely everyone, regardless of gender or sexual orientation, into all aspects of the life of the church, leadership, everything. That's a big part of what radical welcome means to us here at City Church. But five, six, seven years ago, when the church was being planted, we were planting out of a tradition that held a historic, sort of traditional perspective on sexuality. And so getting from there to here has actually been a journey 
And, and there was a season where it was a big question all throughout the church in America. There's been a lot of these conversations happening and we were no different. And, and a sense of how are we going to navigate this? That we have a lot of different perspectives and life experiences in the church. And so we got this group of people together to basically say, hey, you know, the whole church is invited in on the conversation, but we actually want to ask you guys to talk and to listen really well to each other, uh, to our LGBTQ community, to the spirit, and see if we can figure out where God's leading us, because we don't actually know. It, it was a question mark. And it was a, it was a long process, um, ended up being actually a couple years, but after about the first year of this group meeting, there was this moment and this night where we just decided to stop and do sort of a check-in. Hey, where are we? You know, and, and ask some good questions. And we started some scratching some things up on a whiteboard. And over the course of the evening, it just became so clear that the spirit was at work in our midst. And the spirit was actually leading us all, even though we had started with very different questions and approaches to this question about sexuality. The spirit was actually leading us into a place of agreement. And so I asked a friend of mine who was part of that process. His name is Larry Dove. And he's a pastor who, you know how Peter in this story, he invites some people to go along with him as witnesses to what God is doing. And then he, he brings them back actually into this conversation. Larry Dove was kind of like that. He's a pastor in the area who said, Larry, will you come and will you be on this journey with us? Will you be part of the conversation so that later as people are asking questions, you know, you can, you can share what you saw and what you experienced. And so Larry wrote us all an email uh, after this, this really precious evening of sharing, um, just trying to process a little bit about what the spirit had done in our midst. And so with Larry's permission, I'm reading you his letter to us. Driving home last night, I pondered on the question, what if we are wrong? What if we land on the wrong decision? And especially if our decisions should happen to lead others down the same erroneous path. This concern is a residual effect when dealing with such a sensitive issue as LGBTQ inclusion as it relates to the church. However, I suggest that this journey started with the prompting of the Holy Spirit for City Church. And this journey has been guided by the Spirit's presence every time we have met. The diversity of thoughts, comments, pondering, wrestling has been spirit-filled throughout the journey. I believe our hearts and minds represent a Christ-like attitude. We seek not merely a black-white resolution. We seek to employ biblical truth in a graceful manner as it relates to the context of where our church is located and the people that are drawn by the Spirit to our fellowship. In summary, there is a possibility that we could and will encounter some erroneous thoughts, ideas, and premature conclusions over this issue. But our dependence on the Holy Spirit to continue to guide and drive this process in love toward each other and the LGBTQ community will keep us on the road of truth and reconciliation. I am not afraid of getting it wrong. I am more afraid of being convinced I have it absolutely right. I actually wanna read those two lines for you again. And I wanna tell you that our friend Larry Dove 
depending, you know, on who's looking. To some, he might seem kind of moderate on these things. To some, he might seem kind of conservative, kind of traditional. But you listen to these last two lines again. I am not afraid of getting it wrong. I am more afraid of being convinced I have it absolutely right. Oh, it was so good to read his words again three, four years later and saying, yeah, as much as this story in Acts, maybe it reads a bit like a fairy tale. I actually believe the Holy Spirit is still moving amongst us. I actually believe that if we can be more worried about thinking we've got it absolutely right, yeah, I think God's still, he's still up to get some good things. The spirit, she is up to good things in our midst. Laura? That, that got me because I, I think so often people who are affirming get painted as kind of making decisions um, without the spirit. Um, and so I, I appreciate the firsthand experience just showing that that um, is almost always not the case. Um, and I, I also love that this was years ago, right? I, I didn't even know about City Church, but those conversations, that holy night and experience is the reason that I'm able to speak today. Um, and so I just think that's a really cool effect. Um, and it kind of uh, leads into this next part I want to talk about is discerning by fruits. Uh, we see in verse 18 that once his community comes around to the idea of Gentiles being included, they say, then to, then to the Gentiles also, God has granted repentance that leads to life. And I want to take a few minutes to talk about this phrase, repentance that leads to life. Uh, a different version I read said it this way. It says, God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. And when I read that, I had a lot of feelings come up and I want to acknowledge that a similar thing might happen for you. What I heard immediately was the voices telling me, well, of course, LGBTQ plus people are able to repent of their sins. Of course you can repent. And I sat with that narrative a little bit and I thought, well, maybe that's what this means. Maybe I'm supposed to repent of my queerness in the way that other people want me to. But then I, I looked at the translation and that's not really what I saw. I saw something more beautiful, which I think is captured in this translation, repentance that leads to life. And so I'm going to share the definitions of life or eternal life and of repentance with you. And so first life means, this is just one take on the definition, but it says life real and genuine, a life active and vigorous, devoted to God, blessed in the portion even in this world of those who put their trust in Christ, but after the resurrection to be consummated by new accessions, among them a more perfect body and to last forever. And then repentance, 
is a change of mind as it appears to one who repents of a purpose they have formed or of something they have done. So with these definitions, I want to offer an alternative wording, and that is this. To the Gentiles also, God has granted the gift of changing their minds in a way that leads to a real and genuine life. And we actually see Peter and the other Jewish Christians model this in the story, right? They repent by changing their beliefs about Gentiles, and then we see the fruits of that. And when faced with an experience with the Holy Spirit and others that contradicts our current beliefs about God, our measurement maybe can be whether or not this change of mind leads to life and expands the family of God. And I have a, a bit of a lengthy quote here, but I just couldn't narrow it down because I think all of it is so good. And this is from Willie James Jennings in a commentary on Acts. And so I'll read that out for us and it'll be in the chat. It says, discernment is not a burden, but is the joy we have in participation with the ongoing life of Jesus, who has claimed this space between past and present word as his own and invites us to join him in it. You have heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus's words point to the present and intimate speaking of the living God made flesh and one with us in the challenging task of hearing God's new words pressed against the old ones. What does a new word look like? We will know it by its fruit. That which builds life together, life abundant, and depending life in God is truly a new word from God. That which speaks the community of Christ and echoes a desire for shared life, shared hope, and redemption from death in all its agents is always a new word from God. And I think this speaks volumes in a lot of ways, um, but especially when we look at the oppression of anyone who's not a straight cisgender white man, especially in white conservative churches. And we see the fruits of white supremacy in events like the insurrection at the Capitol done in the name of Jesus, in hierarchical church structures, in consistently unsafe, harmful, racist churches. We see the fruits of patriarchy and young girls being told what to wear and in abuse being committed and covered by church leaders. We see the fruits of homophobia and transphobia in the higher depression and suicide rates when people deny who God made them to be. So when we see this bad fruit, how will we follow the spirit into a new word from God that bears good fruit? And when we use this framework, thinking about the fruits of abundant life, I think we can ask questions of our theology and our beliefs. Things like, is it leading to exclusion or inclusion? Is it leading to life or death? Is it denying the work of the Holy Spirit in people? What leads to the flourishing of all of God's children? And I think if we discern this way, we're released from a lot of shame and we're simply invited to follow life where we see it. I think this is the gift that the Gentiles got invited into. Instead of focusing on black and white rules, we're able to enter into spaces with God, 
free of judgment and shame and make decisions based on what leads to genuine life. And in my experience, I, I think there's a lot of fear in discernment and working difficult things out with God and yourself and community. And that's why we've created rules instead. We're told to fear where our body leads us instead of learning to tune into the spirit that is within us, speaking through the bodies that God gave us. We don't take every feeling and run with it, right? But we have to listen to them and then discern how to move forward. And I just see so much freedom in this that we don't need to strive to follow rules. We only need to strive to do our best to find the word of God that grows good fruit. And so when we mess up and our choices lead to pain and disconnection within ourselves, with others, with God, we won't be enveloped in shame. We will simply be invited to repent, to shift our direction, and once again, move towards life. And there's a lot of ways that I understand the gift that it is to stand alongside people who have struggles that I don't have. It's a beautiful thing to celebrate God's image and work and other people, especially when it does require me to change my mind, repent, and move closer to life. And there's also other ways that I understand the, the pain of not having people affirm the gifts that the Holy Spirit has given to me. And so I wanna share a significant moment for me that happened this past summer when I spoke at my grandpa's funeral. And it's actually this experience that led me to feel so connected to this passage when I read it several months back again. And so it, I was able to speak at my grandpa's funeral. And in addition to the normal memories of my grandpa, I also shared some insight from scripture. And before I had began, I kind of gave the disclaimer that I am not much of a public speaker. All of this makes me very nervous. Um, but after the service, people continuously pushed back against my insecurities about speaking. They affirmed God's gifts in me. They told me God spoke through me. They shared that they heard God speak through me and they were moved by my words, um, which is, is wonderful. And yet the irony of this story is that this took place at the church my grandparents were at forever at a pretty conservative Baptist church, which means there are many, many people there who do not believe I could be a pastor, even then, just as a woman. I cannot be a pastor, even though I was standing in a church speaking to them, and especially not if they knew my sexuality, right? And so, I sat in the tension when I got home that day. I was like, wow, that was actually really encouraging to hear these affirmations from people. And up until that point, I actually hadn't really considered whether or not I could be a pastor. But hearing that from them, I was like, well, you know what? Actually, <laughs> if that's where I'm led, then I, I can do that. And then I also sat with this frustration that they saw the Holy Spirit in me, but they wouldn't support me in certain roles. And I also, when I was working on this, I also thought of when people, um, maybe about, about a year ago, they told me that you know they supported my decision to go to seminary, 
They told me they saw pastoral gifts in me. They wanted to invest in my journey as a woman entering a tradition that has centered men. And as I, I took in that affirmation, there were still times when my heart kind of sunk because I said to myself, okay, they're telling me this, but once they know I'm queer, they won't be saying these things anymore, even though I'm the same person they saw the Holy Spirit in before. And I wonder, what if instead of drawing lines around how I can use my gifts and under what circumstances, they simply began praising God because they saw the Holy Spirit move in a person they never expected? What if witnessing the Holy Spirit in me moved people to reconsider their beliefs about women and LGBTQ plus people? And there's people that have done this. Um, there's people who don't have all the theology figured out. They're still supporting me, cheering me on, celebrating God's work in me. And I'm thankful for these people. And I'm thankful for people like Bill and Brenna, who, because they followed the spirit into change, have invited me here today. And I do want this, right? I want people to change their minds and let go of theologies that limit and oppress in a lot of different ways. I want white people to accept the invitation to denounce white supremacy that distorts the image of God and people of color, especially rooted in anti-blackness. I want straight people to accept the invitation to denounce homophobia that distorts the image of God and queer people I want cisgender people to accept the invitation to denounce transphobia that distorts the image of God in trans people. And I want men to accept the invitation to denounce misogyny that distorts the image of God in women, right? I can go on. <laughs> I, I want all of these things, but the message that I also want to be clear is that if you have been excluded from Christianity, if you have been told that you're not good enough, if you've had the image of God and you denied. You do not need validation from those who have power over you in order to start believing that God gave you gifts just as God gave them gifts. And as a queer woman, the Holy Spirit is moving and speaking to me whether or not all Christians validate it. And similarly, the Bible didn't become a tool of liberation for communities of color when I, as a white person, started reading the Bible through a lens of liberation. The Holy Spirit has been moving and speaking liberation to Black, Indigenous, Asian, Latinx, Pacific Islander communities around the world before colonizers ever got involved. And that's happening whether or not I choose to get on board and join God's vision for liberation from white supremacy. And so again, I say to those of us who need it, you do not need validation from those who have power over you in order to start believing that God gave you gifts just as God gave them gifts. And the church isn't confined to the American structure as we know it anyway. The voices that are stifled within the church walls simply find other places to preach. And we are called to believe and affirm that all people are offered the opportunity to change their minds 
and walk towards life. The abundant life that Jesus speaks of that pushes us towards the healing and the wholeness that God provides. 